You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Heard Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Heard Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Heard. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Jason. Hey. And our special guest, culinary paraprofessional educator at Rising Stars Academy in Centerline, Chef Brandon Zarb. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here, Brandon. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you today? Doing very well. All right. So uh, something I've been doing over the course past couple weeks or something, I've been trying to hit new spots, places I've heard about, haven't been to. And today I went to a spot in Hazel Park called Cozy Lounge. How did you hear about? Um, so Cozy Lounge is a place that I heard, I guess through the kind of the Detroit area chefs Facebook group to talk about it. I've heard it. Um, it's one of those places where you look it up, like kind of look up uh, the Google reviews and there's it's overwhelmingly positive, right? It's cozy spell with the K. It's K O Z Y lounge. Um, it's at Ten Mile and John R. And you walk into this place, and it's it's essentially a dive, right? Um, there is a shuffleboard. There is a pool table. Um, the 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 chairs, the tables, all very unassuming. Um, and then you look at the bar, and there's bottles of there's a Blanton's. There's a, um, Colonel Taylor, there's um, Jefferson's uh, like Ocean, like these really great bottles of bourbon. There's a um, couple other ones that uh, uh, Stag Junior, like just a really nice curated bourbon selection. But aside from all that, that's great. The the first thing that that happened to me is I, I sit down and the bartender immediately greets me, and I said it was my first time there, and she said, "That's that's great. What's your name?" I said my name's Joe. She said I'm Donna. That never happens. No. Never. And the rest of the time I was there for an hour, however long it was, she kept referring to me by my first name. And it was like just so seamless. Like it what didn't seem for. She was really happy to have me there. Um, How many and, other people were sitting at the bar with you? Uh, there was probably four other people at the bar. Um two or three other tables and she knew everyone's name. I noticed that too. Um, it was obvious like a couple of the people there are, were regulars or it seemed that way, but I mean, shit, I felt like a regular. Um, and she was just very friendly, um, incredibly gracious the entire time. Um, and, and it was just like second nature. And it and it's it's one of those things. Like hospitality should be second nature, right? Yeah. Um. And it and a lot of times around here, um. I mean, not even around here. Anywhere you go, anywhere, it seems forced. 
right? Like no one's trying to learn your name. And I don't know why that is. Why I, I just forget. Yeah. I like, you know, my favorite story, not just because I grew up watching Hulk Hogan, but the my favorite story about how he traveled extensively and could never remember anybody's name. That's where he came up with the idea of calling everybody brother because it was easier <laughs> than remembering everybody's name. Sorry, that was my own little anecdote. <laughs> I'm bad at it, but no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and, and yesterday like humble was, hospitality. Yeah, and yesterday I saw um, Henry Rollins do spoken word oh, over yeah. at the Royal Oak Music right. Theater, and he was doing a travel slideshow. So a lot of his photos involve people, and one of one of the things that people that recognize him ask him is, "What are you doing here? Like, why are you in Burma? Why are you in this, um, you know, this part of Africa or wherever you're at?" And he his response is always, "I'm here to meet you," hmm. which Again, is disarming and incredibly charming. And it's like, because he's his thought is we live in this world for like these moments of interaction, which is, is a very hospitable way to look at the world, yeah. right? And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And people are immediately like, holy shit, like Henry Rollins like is here to meet me. <laughs> and he's not here to meet you, but he appreciates you enough in that moment to to say that. Yeah, to acknowledge and recognize. Yeah. So, yeah, so Cozy Lounge, highest recommendation. The food was great. The the What did uh, you have? I uh, had a patty melt. Uh, it's National Cheeseburger Day, oh, obviously. Cool. Oh, I, you yeah. know, I went with a patty melt. Um, and then uh, chili cheese fries because I can never get enough chili cheese fries. So, uh, so, you, so just to be clear, because I'm super curious, I always wonder how, um, you know, working within the industry and particularly in marketing, I take for granted the – customer you know how guests discover things like how do you discover things so whenever i go to a different city i'm always trying to put myself like okay i, pre- I don't know anything how do i just find out about something you know because i would go to chicago or new york and people always give you a list of places and when i go to the city i've already got all my itinerary kind of like planned out and so i always wonder like how do you discover something um and so you found it through a facebook group yeah and a lot of times i mean i'm going to uh, colorado <clears throat> this weekend and uh i have a couple uh going to boulder so i'm going to frasca fruit food and wine which is like a bobby stuckham's place it's very like high on the hospitality uh chart in terms of like uh he's a friend of danny myers and will godera from love at madison park so it's a place i've always wanted to go but the other side of it is i like to leave the itinerary open a little bit so i can just type in restaurants near me into google and then you go and go to the places that have it's not a matter of the number of star the number of stars they have. It's a matter of how many reviews they have. So, do you ever check like Eater when you go to yep. a town? I'll do I'll do the essential Eater essential. I'll look. I'll even look at Yelp. Uh, it's mm. it's and then like, but if some if a place has been visited like over say five thousand right. times, it's worth checking into, um, and seeing what it's all about. There is a place in Denver that I went to last time I was there, uh, this little Mexican spot that had eight thousand Google reviews. It was awesome. You, you can't mit, you can't really mess up something if you've eight thousand people have right. taken the time to review it, right? That's true. That's and very so, true. Um, you know, it, send me an uh, invite to the group so I can get in there. Yeah, Facebook I will. groups. You know, because it's just interesting that Facebook has prioritized groups, and um, it's great that we've had the Michigan Bourbon Club group on, and that's a chef's group, and I've seen a couple other you know food groups, like local groups, not huge national ones but it's definitely more and more becoming a way for people to discover things and be influenced you know to go there yeah and i've noticed in my notifications that those when someone posts in that group especially a friend a facebook friend who posts in that group i get notified of that 
or if someone even comments on a post. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely a, a priority given to those groups. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, Brandon. Let's, uh, let's All right. start talking about uh, rising stars and your kind of shift. So, I think most people know you as a chef, right? Correct. So they know you from your your role at um, from Imperial and Public House. Um, so, and then even before that, you were in Chicago, correct? That's right. Okay. So let's kind of um, trace the trajectory of how you. Yeah. Got to Rising Stars. So let's start in Chicago and go from there. Start in Chicago. Or if you have something else before that, like wherever you want to start. I mean, we can go back to the beginning <laughs> if you want. It's three years old. Yeah. It's a galaxy far, well, far away. The, the yeah. culinary beginning. The culinary beginning. Uh, I actually started out here in Royal Oak at Holiday Market. Um, I got a job washing dishes in the bakery. I was walking through one day in the summer because we didn't have any air conditioning where we lived. And I would just walk laps in the grocery store to try and cool down. And uh, I saw their bakery was hiring dishwasher. And I thought, oh, you know, what the hell? I'll give I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, and then after a couple months, I got promoted to baker. And ended up doing that for three years and kind of excelling at it, really enjoying it. So at that point in time, I was interested in joining the military. And I remember taking my mom out to lunch one day and say, mom, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And she just broke out in tears and said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I went back to the drawing board and a couple people at the bakery uh, took me to Schoolcraft College in Livonia and kind of showed me around the program. So I ended up enrolling, doing their baking and pastry program. And then getting out of that, I got a stage or an apprenticeship at Five Lakes Grill in Milford, Brian Polson's restaurant. And I remember distinctly the first day I was in that kitchen, I was in the back making creme brulee. I stepped out onto the hotline and saw what the guys were doing. And I knew that I'd picked the wrong position for myself. So I ended up going back to culinary school to learn how to cook. At Schoolcraft? Yeah, that's right. So let me interject right here because I actually just um, attended an event uh, this past Sunday at Schoolcraft. It's called the Culinary Extravaganza. Yep. It was the second year I believe they've done it. Um, you know, Chef Mark from Wright & Company. It's on the board there at Schoolcraft College now in the coloring program. And, um, you know, he did a great job. They did a great job of putting together this wonderful afternoon of tasting and um, fundraising. I want to say, he, I believe he said last year was the first year between the ticket sales and the, and the corporate sponsors. They had raised about 70000 this year. It was going to be well over 100000 Wow. Um, so that's pretty awesome, uh, you know, to bring in both uh, alumni of the program. I know they had... Um, Grego Selden uh, was there, Mabel Gray. I mean, they had a bunch of uh, places. Uh, Dave Mancini Sapinos was there. See Chef Mark, the Peterborough. Um, Chef Mark did a great raffle uh, where he raffled himself off to do a private dinner for up to 10 uh, in your home. That was pretty great. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I wow. was kind of familiar with the program there, but I've definitely learned a lot in the last few months talking to Chef Mark about his involvement there and uh, you know how great of a program it is. So just wanted to add that in because I didn't realize that you also had been oh, yeah. uh, coming yeah. through there. Oh, yeah. I'm Schoolcraft proud. I did all their programs. I worked for them. I competed for them for a year. I pretty much did everything you could do there. And it was a good jump start for my career. So after Schoolcraft is when I moved to Chicago. Uh, I worked for actually a professor at Schoolcraft's son, Chris Garonsky. His dad's Kevin Garonsky, certified master chef. And uh, I bounced around his restaurant group for a little bit. And then I went to work for Paul Kahn. 
And those were like the really formative years for me because I worked at the Publican, which I think to this day is probably the best restaurant I've ever cooked in, in my opinion. It's not the fanciest, not the most expensive, but I think it had the best tasting food. And then I went on to Big Star, which ended up being extremely relevant when I got a job at Imperial. Right, like (laughs) it was invaluable experience. And I kind of closed out Chicago uh, working at their brand new restaurant called Dove's Luncheonette, which was like a Mexican soul food diner underneath the L train in oh, Wicker th- Park. That's their restaurant. That's their group. Yeah, that's. Oh, one I didn't off. know that. Oh yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's right by Big Star, right? Yep, next like, door. Yeah, they they kind of share a big commissary kitchen space. Right. I yeah. think I did have breakfast there, and they have a mezcal. It's like a yeah, it's like a mezca- Mexican. Oh yeah, mezcaleria. Yep, but they've got like soul Chicago soul in the Amazing. jukebox, more mezcal than anybody in Chicago, at it's least at the time. Fantastic spot. Yeah, fantastic. definitely, yep. definitely. So I was out there doing that, and then I got a phone call for this job in Ferndale, and uh, I was planning on moving to New York and doing the New York thing for a couple years, Um, but I was kind of getting impatient. I was reading about a lot of guys in Detroit that were doing cool stuff that wasn't going on when I went to Chicago, Um, so I took the leap, and I came home. And then, so that when you started with Imperial and Public House. and that's um, right. So kind of... uh, what was your role there, like in terms of you were the the cor- corporate chef, executive chef? What was like because you ran both spots, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know what the title was, corporate executive chef. <laughs> okay, um, so your your role at the beginning was what? Trying to get everything in line, in order. Yeah, those those restaurants went through a couple different chefs in a short period of time, and that can be extremely damaging to to a kitchen because you're you're just getting pieces of someone's system. You know, but it doesn't really line up with the last guy. And then there's these gaps in between where things kind of crumble a little bit. Um, so the first, you know, I would say six months were were pretty difficult just kind of getting things in line. Now, both restaurants were extremely popular and successful. I mean, they were busy. We didn't we had good problems, but just kind of getting everything in line, getting the numbers worked out to a spot where everyone was comfortable and that kind of stuff. And meaning like the, the margins and stuff like that, like working within a within a like budget. Definitely, okay. food costs, labor costs are the one and two things for a chef. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, the, the there had to be a lot of hours. It sounds like it was probably like a oh yeah, eighty hour a week type of yeah. yeah. Actually, that's that's pretty close six <laughs> six seven days. Wow. Uh, I remember my first few months. I I got a studio uh, in Midtown. Cass Park, right across from the Masonic. Every morning I'd wake up, drink a pot of coffee, eat a banana, go work for like 14 hours, and then go back to Honest John's and then just eat <laughs> an insane amount, <laughs> yep, insane amount of food and then just kind of plan out my next day on my laptop. And I, I mean, I must have done that six days a week for, for months. That was just like my office was the booth at Honest John's. Did you ever have a day off during those first few months? They would make me take days off <laughs> at a certain point. Yeah. 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 But it, you know, that's, that's part of the job. It's, it's a lifestyle career. You know what I mean? It's, you, you got to be willing to do that kind of stuff. So one of the things you introduced while you were there were these takeovers. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So the takeovers that you did at, at both public house and Imperial, mm-hmm. um, took a particular focus each time you would do a menu. So I don't know how many you ended up doing total. 26. 26. Yeah, each one took about two or three months off my life. So <laughs> do the math. 
<laughs> don't, don't kill over right now. <laughs> I got a few more, a few more years. <laughs> um, That's what the whiskey's for. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, okay. So the, the, tell us about the, where the concept of the takeover came from. It, it started out, they had wanted to do like this Sunday supper thing with the previous chef and no one could really get it together. Um, and I, I thought it was an interesting idea, but I wanted to take it, you know, to another level. And I mean, these were my first executive chef jobs. I started out running two restaurants, um, but I had not had creative freedom at any point in my entire career other than doing specials at restaurants as a sous chef in Chicago, which, you know, you're talking one or two items a night. So it's not, it's not like a full canvas. So I kind of pitched this idea. Well, because a lot of people were talking about doing like plated dinners, um, which I didn't love for a restaurant space. I wanted to do an a la carte menu because it allows us to be so much more creative and kind of versatile. If you have to plate 40 of one thing at once, you know, it's kind of a restraining. Whereas if I can just put three brand new dishes on each station and put two guys on it, the possibilities are pretty much endless. We're, we're limited by our equipment and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we started out that series and uh it it was pretty fantastic, man. To to this day I'm probably more proud of that dinner series than anything I've done in my life, I think. And so like th- that takeover concept is essentially a one one day pop-up. It was. And so you've been doing work at Revolver too. Oh yeah. Correct. So oh, yeah. and I and um you just announced a dinner on this coming Friday which is the Three days, four days from now. Yeah. What's the date? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll buy tickets right now. Um, so so what's happening at that dinner on Friday? Uh, well, I'm cooking. Um, I think we're doing six or seven courses. Okay. Um, it was pretty spontaneous. Uh, it's a collaboration with Anna Tanasova, wonderful, beautiful human being. Okay. Um, we've been cooking together since my last day at work, we've done every pop-up, every event together. Okay. Um, and now we're kind of starting to collab on some pretty cool menus. And we had just wrapped up a pop-up series in Gross Point last weekend. And we had like... And that was for Place Invaders? Place Invaders, okay. that's right. And you've worked for them a number of times. They're kind of a... Oh, gosh. Ex- so yeah. and I don't want to like divert you too much, but explain what Place Invaders is real quick. Place Invaders is a pop-up series where uh, they... they go to people's houses that have you know it's it's always an interesting space uh i did one at barry gordy's mansion oh wow. we did one at like this two million dollar loft in corktown um kresge mansion i did one in hollywood hills in some like you know mid-century modern place that's on a hill so steep you know it makes you nervous just being there <laughs> um so they usually pick really cool locations um so we just wrapped up one of those and i was looking in my refrigerator last night and I had like a couple ounces of caviar, a giant tub of creme fraiche, like, you know, some some duck sausage that we had made. And I was like, oh, you know, we're going to be eating really good for the next few days or we could try and do something else. So uh, I called Peter this morning at like 10, asked him if we could do a single seating this Friday. He's all about it. So I went home after Rising Stars, wrote a menu in 30 minutes, sent it to Peter and menu's up. So Friday's the twenty first. Yeah. 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 Uh what time is the seating? 
7 p.m. 7 p.m. Yep, 40 okay. guests, that's it. And Peter is the owner of Revolver. That's so correct. Was, so Peter, yep. what, and I, what's his last name? I don't remember. Yeah, uh, sorry, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, so that that's happening Friday. Yes, sir. Now, uh, let's talk about Rising Stars. Absolutely. Right. So um, you, you make the shift from being a, a chef at, for two restaurants. And a catering company. And a catering company. Oh, very oh and, a, and a taco truck. Oh, yeah. Oh, what well, full service catering, just about. Full service catering. Yeah, I mean, we did, we're doing five or six music festivals, major music festivals a season, two or three private events a week. It was, a lot of people don't know that, but. No. I spent more time and, and energy on that aspect of the business my last year than either restaurant. Wow. Yeah, because I had never set up that style of business before, and I had never done it. So there were a few things I had to learn the hard way. But know? that's kind of a test. Of, also, your ability to do that was a testament to the systems you set in place at that's what I was the other say, two places. Because you set it and let totally, it run. Totally, totally. My, my entire goal from day one was to get those restaurants to run themselves. You know, so we could keep opening new properties was the idea. So Imperial, uh, you know, when I first got there, Imperial was the restaurant I thought was going to be the most difficult to keep up with be, just because of the sheer volume and the, the limitations of the kitchen. But actually, that restaurant kind of runs itself. Um, it's just so busy. It has no other option but to work. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, at all. yeah. If you've yeah. ever worked in a restaurant that does, you know, over a thousand covers in a night, no problem. Then you kind of understand it's like a self-sustaining machine. Uh huh. But so, so then the shift from that oh, life yeah. Yeah. To, to Rising Stars. So, kind of explain your role at Rising Stars right now. So as a as a you know we we just call ourselves para pros. Um, you know, I, I don't consider myself a teacher. Um, I teach, but I'm not a teacher. Uh, my, my role there is to assist students in essentially hands-on cooking, um, recipe reading techniques, and it gets a little bit more in depth. You, you teach them social skills. Um, you teach them how to be confident in a kitchen. You know, a, a kitchen can be an intimidating place for anybody, let alone someone with, with, you know, some type of disability, it can it can be even more difficult, you know. Yeah. So, kind of explain uh, what what is the the mission of Rising Stars? Who are so, you? yeah, of course, Rising Stars is it's a it's a culinary school um, in Centerline. It's an old elementary school that's kind of being uh, uh, refurnished and rebuilt piece by piece. And the entire mission of the school um, is to get special needs students employed full time in some aspect of the food industry. And it's it's becoming extremely successful at that goal. Now, j- just as a um, in terms of location, Centerline is situated inside of Warren, correct? So it's like yep. surrounded by Warren. It's this really st- strange, almost enclave of like this. I don't even know how it ended up there. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I'd never been there before Rising Stars. Yeah, it's it, an it, oasis in the middle of Warren. Yeah, like, kind of. It's it's because str- there's like a couple really there's like a couple good Mexican restaurants in center line and one it's a place called Haney's. Like I I've used to work in that area. So oh, I, yeah. I know. Um, and then rising stars is there. That's right. And so the, the campus itself is huge, isn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an old elementary school. And, but you guys have like a full functioning farm there, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I spend 
an hour to a day, at least in the farm with students. Um, I mean, we grow most of the food we're cooking right now. We grow. It's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, we have more tomatillos and peppers right now than we even know what to do with. I mean, I've made salsa verde with these kids, you know, quite a bit. <laughs> is this something that started through like a state program or is this like a business uh, funded or how did this all come together? Uh, it, it, they do receive state funding, um, but they, they also uh, receive a lot of funding from grants and, and private donors. But it is, it is a state funded institution. Um, you know, I had to get my fingerprints taken and get a background check and all that stuff to, to get employed there. How did you find them? Uh, a really close friend of mine, Alex Clark, Bon Bon Bon. Oh, yeah. um, Alex took me there for lunch one day. Um, we have a full service restaurant that's oh. open, like, I think six months out of the year. It's going to open in November, and it's student-run. Students cook. They take your order. They do 99% of the work. So Alex took me there. Um, she's good friends with Mark, and I was just completely blown away. Um, that was last year, and I wasn't really considering making a transition at that point. Um, and then probably about eight months later, I went back to the school for like a quick little tour and uh, just hang out and just say hi. And uh, I, I got to see it a lot more in depth. I got to meet some students and really kind of check it out and see the whole grounds and see the passion that Mark and his wife Deb have and meet some students. And uh, I just kind of had like this weird feeling when I was leaving, like that I was going to end up back there at some point. And I did. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've toured the campus and I've eaten at the restaurant and, and um, Mark and Deb, Mark and Deb Prentice, who you're referring to are, run the school. Um, and I visited there, it had to be two or three years ago, uh, maybe even further back. I don't know when they opened, but um, th- their passion, not only for the, for the school itself, but for the students yeah, is tremendous. And, and like being in that kitchen and watching the students cook and how proud, how absolutely proud they are of everything that happens. Oh yeah. And, and, and there's also this element of like shyness and like the guy with the cameras in the, in the kitchen. <laughs> and these, these, these get, kids are like, I'll take my picture. Yeah. I don't want to. And then once they finish and they have this dish in front of them and they're and you're like, this is really good. They're like, take my picture. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's definitely. Like, and there's this moment of like joy that, that happens. And so I noticed on your Instagram account today that you posted a video mm-hmm. of them doing something that's seemingly simple. And I can tell you it's not. No, it isn't. Flipping an egg <laughs> is not easy, but these no. th- you're teaching these kids how to flip. And I, I don't mean to call them all kids. I think that they're older than it's, it's totally forgivable because we all do the same thing. Okay. The, the age range for the school, I think is 18 to 24. Yeah. They're definitely not kids or adults and they're, 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 and they're, they're working their asses off they and, are. They're, and they're trying really hard. Um, but they, they're flipping eggs. They were flipping eggs. Uh, I mean, and that's, I think that's one of the ways I, I've pr- made myself valuable to the school is just just the the amount of of hands on culinary experience I have, um, I I th- I mean they don't have very many people with my kind of cooking background there, um, where I you know where I flipped you know cases of eggs at a diner in Chicago for a year and a half and did three hundred and fifty covers every Friday and Saturday, um, so that kind of hands on stuff is is great and I I love doing it. I mean, it's that to me is the most gratifying part of it. The the, the exci- just the excitement conveyed in the video 
Like, yeah. it's just tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine that that's like so much more gratifying than, you know, someone telling you like this chicken taco was <laughs> good. I mean, nothing against like making a good chicken taco, well, but it's like this. This is the way that I put it. Um, running, running a restaurant is very satisfying and it's a great thing. And I'm going to do it again one day, uh, but it doesn't change anybody's life. You know, you're not Imperial isn't making the world a better place. It's feeding Ferndale. It's doing a damn good job of it. Um, but, you know, it's not truly improving lives is is kind of the way I see it. And so how, for anyone interested, like how does uh, someone enroll in Rising Stars Academy like as a student? For What, what are – and again, I'm going to call them kids, but they're not kids. Sure. Like how, how do they get involved and enrolled students. in all this? Students. Students. Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Nick. It's my only Who, word of this whole podcast. Who's, who's, who's now joined us? <laughs> Late. <laughs> we we tend to call them kids too, so I I forgive you. Um, just come to the school. You know the age range is is eighteen to twenty four. Um, we only take students that have not graduated high school. So if they have a high school diploma, they they can't get enrolled at Rising Stars. Okay. Um, but it's not limited to Macomb County. We've had students from all over southeastern Michigan. So I think uh, just show up at the school. I mean, we're we just got like thirty new students in the last two weeks, and it's it's just a it's a really fun environment. There's a lot of change going on there right now. We're constantly expanding. Every day, there's something new going on. There's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about, but I'm not I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. Um, but there's some big surprises there in the future. And I mean, we just spent like the last two or three weeks cleaning out more classrooms and filling them up. Um, we're kind of converting this big wing of the school to a complete culinary center. Um, whereas it, before it was kind of spread out and there's traditional classrooms as well. Rising Stars does more than just culinary education. Uh, there's some more hands-on things. There's the gardening uh, they have aquaponics system set up indoors. We grow lettuce. We grow microgreens as well to serve in the restaurants. Um, and, there, and there's some more hands-on things like trades that they're starting to get into to teach the students, as well as just regular life skills like like balancing a budget, uh, putting together a shopping list for a grocery store. You know what I mean? Things things that everyone needs to know to live day-to-day life. So is that is that a, is that the whole thing is, is like a structured curriculum? It's like a certification or, you know, do they come and go as they please? Or is it something that you're committing to for a certain length right. of time that you're following through on? It's it's a bit open-ended. Um, you know, we've, we've got students that uh, have different skill sets. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of at different, different levels with, with what they can accomplish and what they can handle. Um, they are restricted by age, so they reach a certain age. We actually have a, a separate program, um, Home Hub, that's run through the school for, for students that kind of age out, I guess, for lack of better words. Um, but the, the overall goal is to get them fully employed, full-time employment within two years, so they're not at the school. Technically, that would be a success. But that said, we've got students that have been there for two, three, or four years. And a lot of those students will work a couple days a week through the school. Um, you know, that we're always taking students to job sites, um, which is kind of just to get them used to having a full-time job on their own. They'll go chaperone by the school and work for like four or five hours at GM or Chrysler or like a Henry Ford or a big site like that. So it is a little bit open-ended, but the goal is to always get them employed. 
do you have any stats on like how effective you guys are at placing Pete? Oh, I you know I wish I I wish I did. I mean, I know we just got like five or six students hired already, and the school year just started. Oh, that's awesome! So that's an awesome sign. Um, we ha- we have a student named Sebastian. Um, he's actually he's kind of funny to work with because he kind of like butts in, but he has like a lot of culinary knowledge, and it kind of took me took me back. But I remember. Um, I'll I'll get back to your point in a second, but. We were making pesto because we had all this basil in the garden. We have a huge garden. So, you know, when it's time to harvest basil or tomatoes, we get bushels full, literally bushels full. So we're making pesto, and I make the first batch. And we didn't use pine nuts. Nobody nobody <laughs> uses pine nuts for pesto anymore. I don't know if you guys know that. Because they're expensive? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're insanely expensive. <laughs> so, like, every chef uses almonds or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So we're making almond pesto, and I just put in too many almonds, and they have the skin, so mine came out like this really ugly brown. And then Sebastian does the next batch, and it was just absolutely stunning, beautiful, <laughs> perfectly balanced, just just insane. But anyways, uh, this student just got a job at, um, I think, Red Robin. Okay. And he's there like three <laughs> nights a week, and they absolutely love him. He's holding down Garmo, you know, it's, it's his wow. station, and... You know, from from the culinary training to uh, interview skills, the last thing we worked with him was job interview skills. And we actually helped him with his resume, helped him fill out his application. But we sent him there on his own. I mean, we didn't, you know, he still has to get the job, and he did, and now he's flourishing, and that just happened. So So if restaurants were looking for help, could they reach out to you? Absolutely, 100%. So so talk about that process. So someone listening to the podcast is just like, I need some help. If if any any institution that serves or works with food, it does not need to be a traditional mm-hmm. restaurant. Um, you know, we work with with food processors, cafeterias. Um, you know, even even the auto industry. You know, we've got we've got students that go to GM two or three times a week mm-hmm. to to help with food production there. Um, they should get in touch with the school. Okay, uh, just Google Rising Stars Academy, and uh, there's only one. There you go. Yeah. What what happens? So once someone gets a job, you said you sometimes take students to job sites. Can I assume that a lot of these students don't drive? Oh yeah, um, we've got we've got a pretty good setup. Where um, I mean, th- this school has kind of its own little fleet of of vehicles and buses. So uh, some of our teachers have a, a certain certification to where they can actually transport students to the job site. Oh, okay. And a lot of our students get picked up um, through Smart Bus Initiative. So that, that uh, Smart Bus uh, proposal that was on the ballot uh, like a month ago that passed was kind of a huge deal for us because there was a chance that that program could have lost some funding mm-hmm. and our students wouldn't have had a ride to school. And it, it passed in Macomb County by like twenty three votes. Wow! And I think Rising Stars was pushing that that proposal more than anyone. I firmly believe if Rising Stars hadn't kind of campaigned for it, it wouldn't have passed because the margin was that thin. And then, so the the harvesting you're doing, the bushels of basil, tomato, oh, yeah. the tomatillos, all the a guys... bushel of basil is a ton of basil. Yeah, actually, yeah. no. Not as much as you'd think. Really? It's not like compact. Okay, fair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a bushel of basil. <laughs> <laughs> are, 
are, are you guys selling them to restaurants at all? Or can't you? Or uh, I don't. You know, I'd have to look into that. I don't. I don't think there's a good, easy way to sell it to restaurants. But what we can do is process it in house, and then we sell it at the school. Hmm. So we're kind of making a ton of pickles and canning and salsas and hot sauces and flavored oils. And you can, I mean, you can come to the school right now, five days a week, and you can purchase those items. And the schools open regular school hours, like uh, eight to. Three or something or seven thirty to two thirty is our students. Well, eight to two thirty is our students' day. And then you have a store there that these items are for sale. Do the students run the store? Uh, they don't at the moment. Okay. Uh, they we do kind of like a once a week little market, uh-huh. kind of like our own little mini farmers market type thing that is student run. But I mean, if you want to come in and and buy some of our products, it's all it's all for sale. <laughs> And so, like, on the horizon, you said there's some things you can't talk about, but, like, are there things you can talk about? Or, or, <laughs> more, more than that, let's, let's, not, let's not put you in that position. No, kind actually, ex- I, I do have something. Okay, go. Uh, we haven't promoted it yet, uh, but I'm setting up a kind of fall harvest dinner. Um, and that's, like, that's something that I can do for them that they haven't had in the past. Mark and Deb are, are certainly capable of setting up an event, but they have so many pots on the stove that uh, having me, I'm able to kind of reach out to a bunch of chefs and kind of use some of my connections. And then I'm kind of in the pop-up world right now. It's kind of like my main focus besides Rising Stars. Uh, So Monday, October 22nd, uh, we're about to release uh, tickets for a dinner at Rising Stars. Uh, I don't want to say the chefs that are coming yet because I got to get official confirmation. Uh, But we've got some big names. No, no, no. Just do it because then they're committed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the first person that called me, I sent this email out at 830 in the morning, which for chefs is, I mean, it's an ungodly hour. It's, it's early. Uh, Sarah Welch called me back like 20 minutes. I didn't even know she had my phone number. She called me back 20 minutes later. She was driving and she said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm so excited. I wanted to call you right away. I couldn't send you an email because I'm driving. What what else can I do for you? And I'm just like, wow. Uh, can you help me get some product? And she said she's gonna you know get this company and help donate some stuff. And I said I need front of house help because I'm kind of not my world. And she's gonna bring in some front of house for me. So Sarah Welch is already just like really helping out with this thing. Yeah, Sarah's a past guest. Mm-hmm. She's, she's and great. future okay. guest for Merrow whenever that opens. Yep. I think yeah. Merrill's going to be opening pretty soon. I've seen Ping's been talking a lot about it. So. Yeah, she has. Yeah, mm-hmm. word on the street is they're getting close. Okay. Yeah. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about your Instagram account. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you have uh, over 50,000 followers, mm-hmm. um, and that's impressive. Thank you. Uh, as, you know, and um, can you kind of talk about how you've grown that audience? Yeah, it was really funny. When I first got the job um, at Public House and Imperial, I was very anti-social media. I didn't understand it. I didn't have any, like I had, you know, MySpace back in the day. (laughs) But, you know, I kind of outgrew it, I guess. Um, And and the owner, uh, one of the owners was always telling me, you know, you got to get on here. What year is this? I mean, it's only like three years ago. (laughs) You're breaking my heart. (laughs) So, uh, you know, she kept saying, you really got to get on here, you know, even if you don't want it to be like personal, just, you know, it's good for the restaurants, get yourself out there, do, do a few things. And then she kind of just created a monster. Um, (laughs) 
you know, for me, I don't, I don't really watch a ton of TV. I don't play video games or anything like that. So for me, it's kind of that thing I'll go home and just kind of do for 30 minutes to kind of just zone out and relax. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think my food has always been, obviously, you know, you want food that tastes great, but, um, it's always been visually appealing, which, which is more important than ever these days because so many people eat with their eyes, you know? Um, so yeah, it just kind of grew into this thing and I don't, you know, I, I used to do a lot of engagement to kind of build the follower base, you know, commenting on other people and, and messaging people and that kind of thing. I don't do any of that anymore. I don't do hashtags or anything. I just kind of post the picture that I want to post. Um, and I kind of stray away from, I've, I've noticed some trends throughout the years, you know, like the, uh, the overhead shot of the table does good, but what does better is just like a really close zoom up, which I see on your page yep. a lot. Yep. Those pictures tend to do better. Uh, I don't ever post anything with words or no flyers, no posters. If I do that, I lose 200 followers in an hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. It's, true. it's totally true. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They just, they just disappeared. But, uh, I literally just said that this week and it, it was like one of the worst posts I've had. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. People don't like it. People don't like they words. Go right through it. They get confused. You know, they have to read them. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, uh, this is really fascinating because I work, uh, obviously I work in marketing. I do a lot of social media for bars and restaurants. And, um, what you're saying is, uh, a couple levels, a, because you're a chef. And one of the things I've noticed is, you know, marketing and what you're talking about is marketing is really about what the customer or the guest or the follower in this case wants to see. Right. Yeah. And so, um, if they don't resonate with it, then they're not going to follow you and then you've nope. lost the audience, right? And so it's not necessarily about what you want. It's about giving the guests what they want. Oh, that's right. The, right? Yeah. Um, per- perfect example. When I was at Public House, um, they had this this daily or this weekly waffle special for brunch. And um, it was fun to do a different waffle every week for like – the first six or eight months and then it kind of like wow there's a lot of waffles you know what i mean um but i would post a waffle on instagram which you know i wasn't like that enthusiastic about and it you know gets like a thousand likes and then i'll post a picture of just like some very fun creative like interesting dish that i'm really into and no one cares (laughs) you know or like a fried chicken sandwich you know and what how the, the the dish that no one cares about how many likes does that get oh i don't know just, just, just break my heart right now. I just want, I want to know. I mean, I don't really get under a thousand anymore. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll give you a shout out later. No, no I'll no. tag you. I'm not looking for your pity shout out. <laughs> I'll follow you. <laughs> so, okay. So, the, the, and this kind of segues into like, are you teaching your your students at Rising Stars how to take food photos and like how to Ooh. use Instagram? Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're no, no, not necessarily. Um, I definitely have an ongoing joke where I say, okay, stand there, hold this. I'm gonna make you famous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and they're all into it. I mean, they love it. You know, when you turn, you've got to work for it. You can't just, I'll come work. (laughs) So yeah, I will work for my shout out. Do you know how to flip eggs? (laughs) Ish. It's not easy. No, it really isn't. (laughs) I always burn my omelets. Uh, funny story so my uh 
just because we're on the subject, my my resignation posts on Instagram, um, which, you know, I spent I, I did spend a couple weeks just kind of tweaking the wording of it because, I mean, that's your statement these days. That's it's 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 your resume. It's your journal. It's your public image. It's everything wrapped up in one. So I spent, you know, a considerable amount of time on it and I went through and I found a bunch of photos that were just kind of meaningful and, and all of this stuff. And I posted it and it was the most liked picture I've ever had. And it was like, you know, 3000 oh likes. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. And then I did revolver series with Anna, who's, you know, one of the most beautiful women you'd ever see and posted a picture of her standing next to me. Boom, 4,500 likes. <laughs> It's like, oh wow! So she has to be in every picture from now on. <laughs> that, that's that's the moral, right? Yeah, I know, good... <laughs> I know. Nobody wants to see me, but you know, you know what? For for all of the advantages that that boys have, I think in the world, boy, I feel like some of the the lady Instagram uh, accounts are just fantastic because I mean, just like not to be like super sexist or anything, but I mean, they all seem to like just kill it when it comes to their photos. I'm staying out of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just, I feel like it's like, you can take a photo of me, no one cares. Take a photo of like almost any girl on Instagram, boom. <laughs> almost any girl on Instagram. <laughs> am I, am I going to get hate mail? <laughs> the, the, Put this send, way. Send hate mail to disproportionately, <laughs> disproportionately to males, I will say the females do better on Instagram. How many followers did you think? Do you think that Nick just lost? <laughs> hundreds, <laughs> hundreds. I'm gonna be down to zero. <laughs> just because you posing with the cheeseburger versus someone, uh, an attractive female posing with no one's gonna like me posing with a cheeseburger. No one wants to see that. You know, you know the chef equivalent though. Pictures of steak or any kind of meat. That's you know what I mean. That's if like you just... Walter from uh, Prime and Proper. Just does like the steak porn or whatever, oh yeah, meat porn. that dude. That dude kills it. Yeah, yeah, he kills it. You know, I mean, you could just take 100 pictures of the same steak and just keep going and, you know, you'll get to 50K, no problem. <laughs> it's true, though, Nick. You do have a point. I mean, if you see, like, a lot of brands, you see a lot of the Instagram accounts that are doing, like, the sponsored posts and are getting the – are being, uh, uh, you know, approached by mm -hmm. brands to do the uh, – to do those sponsored posts and to feature their products are, are I, definitely – And I think, I think it, it, there, there is a sexist undertone to that and I, and I didn't mean to come across that way. But I just feel like there, there's a certain advantage to that. And maybe it's – I don't know. Maybe, again, they just – they make it look better. They can style it better. They have a better eye. I, 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 think else, I apologize to anyone I offended. Uh, That's not what I meant. Well, well, no, and I think it's also – it has to do with market too because there's a there's an account, Br Brunch Boys, that, that it's, it's a guy who is uh, very uh, – present in his photos and he's very mm -hmm. he has a great social media account Gotham Burger Social Club is another one out of New York Apartment Bartender he kills yep. it and he's in a lot of his photos yep and then Hungry Bartender from sure yep well I think that's Eric. the idea of like the, the influencer and the micro influencer the idea there is versus just like mass marketing is that you can fine tune and tweak which sort of more niche audiences that you're reaching out to I mean let's be honest Lululemon really has no reason to reach out to Nick to feature their yoga pants. My booty looks awesome in those know. pants. Um, but brunch boys, yeah. Uh, so, Brandon, one, one more. So we talked about Walter's Instagram account, <laughs> Prime and Proper. So do you guys teach butcher butchery at Rising Stars? Is that something that you're working towards? Uh, we haven't gotten into a ton of butchery yet. Um, Light, like break down a chicken? Not even. No, haven't, haven't. Not, I mean, I've only been there for less than two months. Oh, okay. And uh, the school year 
really just got going. Um, we do summer classes, but they're on a smaller scale. So I'm, I'm still relatively new at the school compared to people that have been there. Um, we do get in half a cow a year, uh, as well as a pig, but it's already, it's already cut and portioned. So I think it might be, you know, we can get more into that kind of stuff down the road. Um, but I think probably more practical, like, like breaking down chickens or like subprimal cuts. So quick, quick half a cow question. That is a half. So you're getting half of everything or like a front half or a back half. Uh, half of everything. Okay. So, so a half cow, the, okay. completely cut into, you know, I, I'd say grocery store cuts. Got it. Not even subprimals, but the, okay. the kind of cuts you'd buy at the store. So in general, this is a program like you've, been, you've come on, you've been there a couple of months. Um, this program is seeking to grow and like incorporate more and new things Absolutely. over time. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's several aspects of growth, and uh, I think there's going to be a few announcements in the future and, and some really exciting stuff. There's, you know, there's, there's one particular big expansion that's happening in early October that I really, really, really wish I could talk about, and I want to, but we're just kind of keeping it on the down low right now. So you're going to have to just follow us on social media and see. And where can they find follow you on social media? Rising Star Academy on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, they don't have it with the S. It's a cheerleading school in New Jersey has it with the S. So. <laughs> Which, funny story, when I was originally leaving, I accidentally tagged the cheerleading school. <laughs> so I got a couple friends who were like, wow, you're moving to New Jersey. That's kind of strange. And I'm like, no, it's in Centerline. So people actually thought I was quitting my executive chef job to teach cheerleading. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, multiple people reached out to me before I figured out what was going on. I still hear rumors uh, that I'm moving to New Jersey from people that worked at Public House Imperial. I just heard that. So it's actually cool, pretty clever. I mean, that could be a cool crossover. I was gonna. That's actually pretty clever too, because you know how people say like now with the Facebook and Google and all like the targeting that you should just like search for random things sometimes to throw them off and. Just make some Instagram posts and tag some random things to, oh. get, the, to get the rumor mill. That's uh, going, you know, I know? heard about that. So here's the technique: put it in your back pocket, uh, hashtag black and white on a, a, a color photo, and then when people are looking <laughs> yes. through black and white, yours just like stands out. <laughs> Little tricks Epic like that. Troll. You got to get creative, man. You got to get. It's a lot of people are doing it. You know, you got to separate yourself from the pack. Can we talk about work-life balance for a minute? Yeah. Okay. So you were working eighty hours a week before, roughly. What do, what are you what are you at now? Less than that? Seventy nine. <laughs> well, it depends. It okay. depends. So you know, Rising Stars is a nonprofit. Yep. Um Public House Imperial Catering and soon to be anti hero is a multi million dollar company. company. Uh, <laughs> I think they make a little. <laughs> they do pretty well for themselves. Definitely not a non profit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 a well run company for sure. Um so I took a pretty hefty pay cut, which I was I was prepared to do and I I prepared myself for. Uh but one thing that I I needed to do to kind of keep uh any reminiscent lifestyle of what I did have was uh, supplement my income with pop-ups. So I'm, I'm constantly doing dinners and private events multiple times a month. So um, is your life more stressful or less stressful than before? I'll tell you what. <laughs> believe it or not, I cook more now than I was when I was running those restaurants. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I spent the majority of my day at a desk, to be honest with you. 
So then in and terms in, in meetings. In terms of personal fulfillment, like where are you at right now? Oh, I would say 9.5 like out you, of 10. I mean, ha- you're ha- much happy. Like you're oh, I'm thrilled. Happier. I mean, well, you saw what I was doing today. Yeah. I mean, I w- got, to, got to work, ate breakfast with the students, went in the garden for two hours, came inside. We made uh, uh, we had some stale bread left over from, from the cafeteria. Uh, so we made blueberry, buttermilk, um, bread pudding. And then uh, we did a couple small demos, and then we flipped eggs for an hour and a half. So that's, does, that's a fun day. Does taking stale bread, does that just blow the kid's mind into turning it into something like that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, you know, they didn't understand why we were keeping it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of them hadn't really had bread pudding. So, and they didn't, they didn't get to try it, though. We're going we're gonna to taste it tomorrow when it cools down. Oh, interesting. Let me ask you this yeah. up just because uh, you're curious. You had, you had mentioned earlier that going to Imperial and Public House, one of the biggest things was implementing the systems and building out. You know, your goal was to make sure that the place can run themselves. Given that, is it always the logical end result for a chef to end up at a desk in, in meetings once they are build out that system? It, it's, it's tough to say. Um, I, I think it depends on your, your motivations mm. as a chef. Um, I mean, you know, a part of me has always wanted to work in my own kitchen that is open five days a week and dinner only from, you know, six to 10 o'clock and I can do my food the way I want. Um, but you, you're not going to make a lot of money that way, you know, uh, running multiple outlets that are, that are high volume, um, is, is how you make a higher salary. So I think it just really depends on on what your personal motivations are as a chef, and that, that's I mean that's something I struggle with to this day. I mean you know there's there's always that creative aspect. I mean you saw it menu takeovers, you saw with pop ups I do now. I would love to just cook my food, um, and and you know have two days off every week, but maybe one day I'll want that money. I'm not sure. In terms of the the restaurant that you're running at Rising Stars Academy, you you guys are selling food. Like, so cu- customers sit down, guests sit down, and they yeah, it's it's not open yet. No, but but I guess my my question is more like in terms of margins and stuff like that. Does the the restaurant make money? Does it like does it fund funnel back into the school? Um, do you know? Are you saying the restaurant that's not open yet? You're asking him if it's making money. Well, it's it's it is it's. I mean, it's functioning. It doesn't function throughout the. Sure, got it, got it, got it. Sure, okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I you know I don't know too much about the financial situation. Okay. I've I've kind of been you know just so I don't want to say overwhelmed, but but fully mentally occupied with like trying to work with students that it, I it hasn't even crossed my mind. But I would venture to guess that it breaks even. I, I think it probably does. I don't know that it makes a lot of money or not. Okay, it's it's really uh, affordably priced. Oh yeah, I, I, I recognize that when um, when I was there. Yeah. Um, but also like the amount of work that they're putting into the dish. Like I, I mean, obviously, like as a student, like I don't know how it works where um, the students aren't getting paid. They're they're you know they're being of educated, of course. Yeah. But um, you know, the, I feel like it's one of those instances where anybody coming into the restaurant to dine would probably pay more than would be expected for them to pay as a, as a diner because I feel like there's this element of philanthropy that goes along with dining at 
the Rising Stars Academy. Oh, I mean, it's no, it's it's very reasonably priced. I mean, I I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised if they if they make their way down there and check it out. And so, when does the restaurant open? I don't know that we have a solid date. Okay. Um, I think we kind of just wait until the students are ready and, and we feel good about it. That's why we don't start right away in September. We start November instead. Uh, but I remember hearing chefs say early November. And so that's another reason to follow the Instagram account. You will. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and Rising Stars Academy. They're they're very active on Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah. And then uh, the, is the website risingstarsacademy.com.org? I, I don't know. know You'd have to just Google it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's talk about for a second. I don't know if you know a lot about the uh, – the f- they have a yearly fundraiser. Uh, Night right. of Rising Stars. That's right. And that's at Eastern Market and Shed <coughs> 5? Yep. Yep. In June. Okay, in June. Uh, can we talk about that for a second? We can, but I you probably know more about it than I do because – Every year, I got asked to volunteer, and I had a private event with oh. uh, Imperial. So I never, I never made it down. Okay, so I, I didn't go last year, but I've, I was a judge the previous three years. They do a, I always forget the chop style event where um, there's a secret ingredient, and um, the students, uh, it's usually there's students from the the school. There is. Uh, Dorsey is involved, I think, if I recall correctly. Yep, sounds right. And uh, Dorsey is another culinary school in the area. And then um, local chefs from, uh, like Hassan, uh, from who's a, a Hell's Kitchen. And, uh, and Hoss volunteers at, or he works at Rising Stars as well. Oh, he does? Yep. Oh, great. Yeah, he's and, been there for years, actually. Yeah, um, and so they're the, uh, yep, the students, um, they cook, you know, a secret ingredient. They plate these very nice dishes. And then um, there's other businesses in the area that uh, pass out food and there's drinks and giveaways and all types of stuff, uh, live music. It's, it's a great event. It's, again, it's in June. Yep. Yep. And so tickets will be available like sometime probably in April or May. And, you know, once again, Rising Stars Academy. Yeah. And look them up on Google and follow them on Instagram and all that. Yeah. A lot, lot going on. A and lot then – uh, where else, where can people find your personal Instagram account, Brandon? Uh, Chef Brandon's Arb. All right, and that's uh, and then are you active on Twitter or anything like that, or just Instagram? You know, I've never even gone on Twitter. <laughs> to me, I don't understand how it works. I don't get it. And then after the whole Donald Trump thing, I just to me the book just closed. And that's I'm, when I got good <laughs> or bad, depending. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I never got there. I never got there. Brandon, thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you. It's been great.